This information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or accountant to discuss your particular business situation. SBA's participation in this presentation is not an endorsement of the views, opinions, products, or services of any of the participants, persons, or entities. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. This information is as current as June 24th, 2020. Aloha, I'm Evan Leong from Brain Gain Hawaii, and welcome to today's Save Hawaii Jobs and Business webinar for June 24th, 2020. We had a nice break, and now we're back at it. If this is new for you, we have a resource folder with updated memos and previous webinar videos on YouTube. Please make sure you review those documents before asking a question since most of the answers are in those documents. Please let me introduce our team for today. First off, we have Jane Sawyer, who's the Hawaii District Director for the SBA and our champion for Hawaii small businesses. Darren Leong is a specialist in employment law from the law office of Darren R. Leong. Stacy Katakura is the CEO of Accumulus, which is an outsourced CFO and accounting firm. Jeff Harris is a specialist in employment law and a senior name partner at the Torkelson Law Firm. Buddy Leong is the executive director of virtual student experiences and handles our communications backend and chat box. Coco Leong is our editor at Brain Gain Hawaii in charge of content, YouTube channel, and podcast. Beckett Wren is the head canvasser for virtual student experiences and handles our show notes and helps support the rest of the team. Questions will be taken during the webinar through the Q&A module only. It's that module at the bottom of the screen. If you post in the chat box, uh, Buddy will ask you to post it into the Q&A. And then please upload the questions in the Q&A module and we'll do our best to answer these questions later in the webinar. This is a fully volunteer effort. Our team has personally answered hundreds of questions, email threads, and hundreds of billable hours have been donated over the past months. Um, and we're doing our best. Legal disclaimer for today is this information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or accountant to discuss your particular business situation. SBA's participation in this presentation is not an endorsement of the views, opinions, products or services of any of the participants, persons or entities. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis this information is current as of now, June 24, 2020. So let's start with Jane Sawyer. Thank you. Aloha, everyone, and thanks for joining us. Um, yes, this information is, is current as of now, but it is fast changing. Um, anybody who's keeping track of all, all the information, there are lots of updates as we get close to the end of this program's, uh, uh, the fund availability for everybody. Here in Hawaii, we've made over 11,657 loans for over $670 million. It's a lot of activity for our banks. It's a lot of activity for our small businesses. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we continue to see changes with the program uh, in hopes of making it more flexible, respond to the conditions on the ground, and those keep changing as well. So. I'm glad you're here with us today to kind of go through some of the big changes that have happened, particularly with the PPP forgiveness. Um, I think that uh, the other panelists have kind of gone through to distill down some of these questions or some of the ideas, some of the big changes, such as instead of the 75-25 ratio for the use of your funds, you're at 60-40. We also have an extended period for 
coverage or the covered period when you can use those funds. This all came up and started earlier in the month, but you may have the option if you've gotten your funds prior to June 5th to um, extend those as well. So we'll be going through some of those uh, specific things with the, with the program. We even got more interim final rules earlier today, some changes in the forgiveness applications. The forgiveness applications have been changed and they've come up with a easy form that's supposed to be shorter and easier for you to put together, particularly for sole proprietors and independent contractors. But if it's applicable, other people can use those forms as well. So um, just in that big broad overview, I think that uh, um, folks, why don't you go ahead and take it away to break this down into some of the other components. Go ahead, Jeff. Thank you, Jane, and thank you, Darren. So as Jane mentioned uh, briefly, Congress passed the Payroll Protection Program Flexibility Act on June 5th. And since June 5th, uh, the agencies, the Small Business Administration and the U.S. Treasury have, uh, I'm not sure if it's five or six, uh, but they've issued a variety of interim final rules that we'll, we've all looked at very carefully. And I'm going to initially try and synthesize the developments in those rules down into about uh, six six points, then leave leave it to Darren and Stacy to clarify a few details, and then we'll ask, answer some questions. And then I also want to uh, not to be uh, uh, upstage. The U.S. Department of Labor took some action yesterday that I want to mention too. But out of the, let me go through the five things that really have happened this month. First of all, the amount of the, the amount of the payroll costs that you can use on individuals if you elect the 24-week covered period instead of the eight-week period that existed before June 5th, uh, June 5th, uh, when Congress acted, has gone up to 46,154 rather than 15,385 per individual. If if you stay with eight week period, which my firm's going to do, um, it, it, there's there's only 2.5 months worth of 2019 net profit up to 20,833 for owners employees who elect 24 weeks. And there's some other more specific rules for Schedule C filers and general partners that you'll see in the memo that we recently update updated and Buddy put on the. The website, I think just a few moments ago, uh, our, our resident expert accountant may have some more, um, more comments on that. Um, the, the recent changes continue to allow forgiveness for payroll costs paid during the covered period, beginning on loan disbursement or the alternate uh, pay period after uh, loan disbursement. The, the, it's clear that the payroll costs are paid when paychecks are distributed or AC transactions are originated. If they're incurred during the payroll period, uh, then they need to be paid before the next payroll date. The, the interesting point here is, uh, once again, the agencies keep referring to costs just paid 
during the payroll period, suggesting that you may be able to pick up some payroll costs accrued from before the covered period and pay them during the, during the covered period or advance some payroll costs from after the covered period's over. Likewise, non-payroll costs, the, the rules don't cha really change regarding non-payroll costs, mortgage, rent, utility paid during the covered period are incurred during the payroll period and paid by the next billing day. The only clarification there is here is while, while the rules to date suggest that you may be able to pay advance, say, say your covered period ends in June, you may be able to pay June or July rent as long as you pay it within the covered period, but not mortgage because the the applicable rules in the application explicitly exclude that. Uh, as Jane mentioned, the third point that really changed is the, the rule, the statute and the rules increase the forgiven amount allowed for non-payroll costs from 25 to 40% and the corresponding payroll costs from 75 to 60%. Frankly, for those, those of you that listened to our group since the the start of these many webinars that, that we, we th this has been a long strange trip already but since the start of these this webinar series those of the, you that listened to us and and kept all your employees on and and kept their pay relatively the same this is only flexibility change that really applies to you uh, you you have a little bit more flexibility on how much you need to contribute from the loan to payroll, it's now again, 60% rather than 75%. The, the, the next and really the, the most confusing changes for those people that opt for the 24 week covered period, and indeed in most cases, if you adopt the 24 week covered period, you, you don't have enough money to in the loan to to cover all the pay that you need to pay and retain all the employees you'd have to contribute some of your assets some of your of your other resources to satisfy the the test because one of the the tests that typically that we have seen before that reduces forgiveness of the loan is if you reduce pay for any employee by more than 24% if they make under 100,000. There's there's two two exceptions to that that were really previous the payroll protection act uh, flexibility act that still apply. The first is if you restore the pay that you reduced between February 15th and April 26th by the day you file the forgiveness application or December 31st if later then then you, the, your forgiveness won't be reduced by the 25% uh, reduction in employee pay during your covered period. The other, the other more interesting point for me, although that we have some disagreement among the group, is you won't your your reduction of the pay reduction of the pay by more than 25% won't result in a denial of your forgiveness if the pay reduction reductions were 
were attributable to full-time equivalent employee reduction. And so, so there's, an, there's an interplay between the, the reduction of forgiveness for the, for the more than 25% pay reductions on the, on the one hand and the, the uh, reduction of full-time equivalent employees. With respect to full-time employees, we've, we've discussed repeatedly in these webinars that if you don't keep your full-time equivalent employees during one of the prior testing periods, there's a reduction. But there's a, there's a reduction of the forgiveness that you're allowed. There's four, four exceptions to that, one of which I, I, I think people may see of uh, see very interesting especially because it hasn't been publicized but the first one is if you're full if if the full-time employee reductions did not occur between january 1st and the end of the covered period then that won't reduce your your forgiveness that that's that's pretty straightforward the next one i want i want to spend a little bit more time on because it's it's new it came about as as a result of the June 22nd uh, IFR, it wasn't in the congressional, the June 5th, wasn't clear from the congressional action on June 5th, but it really, the rule really says, if the reductions of full-time equivalent employees are due to HHS, CDC, or OSHA safety standards, or, or, and this is the key point, state or local government shutdown orders based in least in part on three agencies' guidance. That applies to us all here. State or local government shutdowns. If, you're, if you reduced your full-time employee uh, uh, by, by more than, uh, a, well, by a significant amount to subject you to the, the reduction of your forgiveness, this is one of the um, exceptions you may, you're gonna wanna look at relying on. You're going to want to be able to see if you can show your banker how the governor and the mayor's uh, shutdown orders affected your business and and caused you to employ less employees, and that may protect some of your forgiveness. the 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 next one, the next two um, exceptions from f reduction from your forgiveness based on the full-time employee reduction is, is if you restored, restored the level that you had between, if you reduced the employees between February 15th and April 26th, and then uh, restored them by the day you submit the forgiveness application of December 31st, that's another exception from the forgiveness reduction. Or as we've said before, if, if the reduction was, due to reject, rejection of rehire, um, caused firing, voluntary resignation, or requested and re received reduction of hours. Again, it's, it's not entirely clear to me, although it's clear to some of these, uh, some of my fellow panel members, uh, I suggest that th there may be, if you qualify for one of these full-time equivalent justifications for full-time equivalent employee reductions that doesn't reduce your forgiveness, it may also go back and allow you to explain to your banker why, why you reduced 
pay for individual employees more than 25 percent. The, the final thing that the, that the rules issued in June did about PPP are that it made some major changes in the forgiveness application procedure and extended the loan maturity after PPP FA amendment. I want to mention as an aside, as I said I would before, that the United States Department of Labor got into the act yesterday and clarified some provisions of the CARES Act. And what they said, what they said is that your health care insurer must cover test a COVID test of asymptomatic individuals with known or suspected recent exposure to SARS-CoV-2 as recommended by attending provider. For example, if, if somebody was out in those protests and, and they're suspected as a result of recent developments to have, have um, been exposed to SARS-CoV-2 based on the, the increased incidence of reports, um, and their their attending provider recommends the test. The, the the covered employee and your company have a strong argument that your insurer must pay for both antigen and antibody testing. Okay, that's all I have, Darren. Back to you. Thank you, Jeff. Um, so why don't we take some questions, Stacy? Um, I pinned two of them at the top, um, and. The reason I did so is because the, part of these questions is what we were discussing before we went on. So why don't you take the first stab at that? And then uh, Jeff and I will probably have something to say. Uh, mute. All right. Okay, there's just there's one that just uh, jumped up at the top. It's uh, pretty easy. It's is it eight or twenty four weeks? Anything in between? So yes, it's either as the uh, guidance currently reads, it's either eight or twenty four weeks. Uh, nothing in between. Um, the next question: the new rules for twenty four weeks state that the owner of an S corp is limited to twenty thousand eight thirty three for the twenty twenty four week period. Uh, we also understand that while medical benefits for an owner do not qualify for forgiveness, retirement contributions do qualify. The 20,833 plus retirement contributions are max 2833 for everything. It's it's max 2833 for everything. Um, we also understand that you do not have to wait the full 24 weeks to claim forgiveness and can claim as soon as you reach the max. Uh, what if you reach it in just eight weeks? Um, can you claim the 24 week amount if you met in eight weeks or should you wait for the ninth week and then claim for forgiveness? So um, you can use the max of the 20,833 if, you if you're electing the 24 week forgiveness period. If you're going with the eight week forgiveness period, you're, uh, you're limited to the, the lower amount of uh, 15,385. Um, and this, I think if you want to wait for the, so you, you're right that you can submit your forgiveness application earlier than the 24 weeks. Um, I guess this, this does assume that you have no employees, um, because I think if you have no employees, you don't have to meet the salary, you don't have to do the salary wage reduction calculation and the, um, and the FTD, uh calculations as well. So for sole proprietors, and I know there's a lot of sole proprietors out there, I think that would uh, that situation would apply to you. Do you want to add anything? Stacey, yeah, what are your thoughts on 
if you are applying before the end of your say 24 week period, but you are in that category that needs to use one of the safe harbors, um, of, of which there are like three for FTEs and one for salary wage reductions. What, what are our collective thoughts, I guess, on that? Well, so the IFR, I think clearly, or it does address the salary wage reduction and that you still would need to um, meet the salary, you know, you still would need to do the calculation for the eight or 24 week period. It's silent on the FTE count. Um, and there's a lot of safe harbors related to the FTE. Um, so I guess, um, do you want to comment on that? We had kind of gone yeah. back and yeah, I mean, the one that I have the most question about is the safe harbor, um, the, the newer one that says I essentially could not get it. I tried to get everyone back and I couldn't get everyone back, um, which says, you know, by December 31st. But if you're applying, say, in the first week of July and you're trying to use a 24-week period, but you're only partway through that period, can you, I think the open question, which is unanswered, is whether you could avail yourself of that safe harbor or potentially some of the, some of the others. So there's two, um, two interesting things on, the, um, on both the application and the IFR. So in the application, it, you, you have to state your FTE on the earlier of uh, December 31st or the date you submit the application. And as we just said, you can submit the application earlier than the end of the 24 weeks. Uh, the other thing that was kind of interesting was that um, in the recent, the June 22nd IFR, it also says that the lender has uh, 60 days to review and decide on your forgiveness application. So in theory, you could submit your forgiveness application on the 10th week and uh, the lender would have to return its decision on forgiveness before the end of the 24 weeks. Yeah. Comment here on the eight and 24. Again, those of you that, that continued to employ everyone and, and paid, paid them at least 75% of their pay, there's nothing in this flexibility act for you other, other than the, other than the 60, the 60, 40 ratio now. Um, the, the, all, all of these, all of these forgiveness uh, exceptions are for the people that have to, that are going to look for 24 weeks. And there's no reason to expect that since the agencies have already issued five interim final rules in the first half or the first three quarters of the month, that there's not going to be some clarification for you over the next 24 weeks. And we have no crystal ball that we've demonstrated. We have no crystal ball because some of the predictions we've made in the past just haven't, it's, it, some of the predictions all of your experts have made in the past have, have, have some of them have been wrong. So again, the, the only clear thing that I want to say now is if you, if you, are close to getting full forgiveness on the eight weeks and you, and, and you make the payroll costs. I think I, I, I suggest strongly suggest you consider advancing some rent or advancing some utilities and getting out of Dodge. 
okay, because there's there's a lot more action that's going to happen on on what the details are over the 24 weeks based on what we've seen over the last three weeks since two and a half weeks since the statute was amended. Yeah, I mean, what Jeff is is saying to avoid is by extending to 24 weeks, you extend the time frame in which you need to keep your FTEs, you know, at or above the reference period. And also you extend the period of time that you need to keep salary and wages at least 75% of what they were before. You actually triple the time that you need to do that. And, you know, the PPP funds alone are, are, are not nearly enough to, to maintain those levels for 24 weeks. So um, if you can squeeze it into the eight weeks or if you already did, then that makes sense. The other, the other one that's just, uh, I think, real clear is sole proprietors who uh, made over 100000 last year. So if your loan amount was 20833 which means you are in the category of one person who made over 100000 in 2019, probably based on a Schedule C or something similar, then those, you know, those should be real clear because it's, it's net income and you're going to use you're going to use 24 weeks because then you can use, you can get the entire 20,833 forgiven. Um, and, uh, and it's just straight based off of your 2019 net profit. I, I think one question, and it looks like it would be allowed and, and maybe Jane can answer this is for those people you are using 24 weeks, but it seems like those would be people in the category where they should just be able to, apply early to the bank and say, you know, I'm applying for 20,833. Here's my schedule C from last year that says 101,000. So Jane, you have a a thought on that? Uh, Unmute. Unmute my thought. Actually not right now because there are some questions that we have sent back to headquarters dealing with how people can address this change to 24 weeks and then also um, if there can be pauses in any kind of payments that go out. I mean, this is, this, the 24 weeks may be the advantage to people who really could not return to business or have any kind of business going on, but um, we're still waiting for clarifications on these things, and hopefully we'll have them and we can distribute that information very soon to help people make that decision. But if you're real close on the eight-week formula and or you're you've hit it already um i wouldn't i would take jeff's recommendation and um prepare your forgiveness applications as soon as you can and not look back on on the other hand darren i think the most promising thing for the people that need to that 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 need to um I've got a chat here. I wonder what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the most promising source of of a forgive forgiveness is that you dot you document why you weren't able to start up again because of the governor and mayor's mm-hmm. uh, orders, and 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 hope that there's some further guidance that helps you with that. 
Um, let's go back to the Q&A. Stacy, you want to pick up the next one? Uh, two questions. If we extend to 24 weeks, which ends on October 15th, do we need to keep all employees through October 15th or December 31st? Um, so I believe that your requirement to maintain your FTE count is through the end of your covered period, so through October 15th. Uh, again, if we extend to 24 weeks, can we, do, re, can we reduce hours of part-time staff? Is there a max? I have heard it no more than 25%. So I think there's actually two parts to that question. There's, uh, because there's a measurement for uh, FTE and there is a measurement for a salary and wage reduction. They're separate. Um, and the 25% reduction applies to the salary and wage reduction. Um, you can reduce hours of part-time staff, I think if you probably, Probably if you use a simplified method of counting the FTE, um, which uh, counts a part-time employee as, as 0.5, regardless of how many hours they work, as, as long as it's less than 40. Um, and as I think Jeff kind of addressed, uh, there's there's a there's an intersection of you know the FTE count and your salary and wage reduction. And um, if you keep the the um, employees wage a part-time employee if they're an hourly employee as long as you maintain their wage rate um, or reduce it no less than 25 percent um, if you reduce their hours you're not going to get doubly penalized for that um, do you guys want to add anything to that darren jeff uh, no not to not to that i oh, well, i will i guess i would keep those concepts separate so the FTE reduction and the salary wage individual employee reduction, they are two separate concepts and two separate reductions. You could be subject to one or the other or both or none. So that 25%, as Stacy said, only applies to the salary wage reduction um, and then the hours piece is going to affect the FTE reduction, which is separate. Okay, want to take the next one? The next one, uh, are hourly employees, are, are employees are hourly workers and did not have a reduction in hourly wages? I think we're eligible for the easy application, but need clarification on the bar did not reduce the number of employees or the average paid hours of employees between January 1st and the end of the covered period. Does this mean that we had to maintain the same number of employees every week from January to June? Or are we comparing our weekly numbers to our FTE count calculation in 2019? So the, the look back period is either, um, the, the look back period is either uh, February 15th through June 30th of 2019 or January and February um, of 2020. This one is straight out of the instructions on the easy form. Like to, to qualify for the easy form, you have to fall under one of the three separate mm -hmm. things. And they don't, the, the issue that's in the question is these descriptions don't exactly match up with what the rules and statutes say so um but you don't have to answer all those questions yes that's that's one possible forgiveness yes you check box one check or or box two or box three yeah yeah and and i i suggest that in under the circumstances of that question or asked 
that's probably not the one to check. Okay. Let, let me get, uh, let me get into the weeds just a hair on this one. Okay. So this is the third box on the instructions for the easy form. Uh, the context to this is if you fall under one of three categories in the instructions for the easy form, you can do this shortened forgiveness um, application. And this easy shortened form is located on the treasury website, home.treasury.gov, and then um, click on the top thing and it'll take you to the page with uh, this application form. So this particular section says uh, if you can satisfy that the borrower did not reduce annual salary or hourly wages of any employee by more than 25% during the covered period, uh, and then it goes on from there. I think it basically means for every single employee, meaning you have no salary wage reductions to report. Um, so that's my take on it. But that's not the only way you can get forgiveness and uh, and it suggests that you may that the easy application may not work for you yes the the other two ways are if you're essentially a solo if you're self employed um because that's much simpler as as we were discussing uh earlier um and then the second one is that you uh, did not have, um, essentially that you don't have um, FTE and, and wage reductions. That's a very simplified way of saying it, but, you know, it's pull up the application form and read those checkboxes, essentially. Okay. Um, Stacy, you want to take the next one? Is there a deadline to send a PPP forgiveness application or company wants to use eight week option versus 24 week option? And I believe um, you have 10 months to submit your, your, um, your application. Uh, next question, if you pick 24 weeks, you have, do you have to keep your FTE count up for the full 24 weeks? So I believe the answer to that question is yes. There's a there's a bunch of safe harbors that you might qualify for that would um, allow you to uh, um, not maintain your FTE count. We're expecting yeah, it's more average. information on that. Um. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> we'll eagerly really await helpful. that. <laughs> um, really helpful. Let's look into the crystal ball for the next one, which is uh, another possible mm -hmm. stimulus. I think Stacy saw some uh, on this, but I mean, we're just getting it from news reports. So you want to comment on that, Stacey? Um, it's the P4. Uh, and I, I know I saw that it had some movement in Congress. I don't know how much uh, movement it was. It appeared to be really targeted towards uh, restaurants. Yeah, I think if we have another PPP, it will be for a very limited uh, industry sector. But we at SBA haven't heard much that uh, it's been moving on. We're looking at still having a lot of funds available. So what can we, you know, where should those be moved? or how would they um, 
use them. There's been some talk about should we move that over to the economic injury disaster loans where there's a question of are they going to have enough money to serve the demand they're experiencing there um, or a limited industry group or, or industry sectors, underserved markets, move it away from the banks to um, CDFIs and credit unions. Um, but we aren't seeing a lot of movement or backing for any individual plan right now. Okay. Um, if you are able to qualify to use the easy form, the shortened form, is that the only form you need to fill out? The answer is yes. Um, and again, that form is for anyone who can check one of the three boxes on the instructions. Um, next one uh, is if I just came up on my eight week period and kept my FTEs up, do I still need to keep them up until June 30th? The answer is no. Um, if you're, if during your covered period, which is eight weeks, you have no reductions, then that's, you're, you're not going to end up needing any safe harbors. So the June 30th, which is actually the, the old date, um, is, is related to a safe harbor. But if you don't need a safe harbor, if you, like Jeff said, if you did everything that uh, was how the program was rolled out right at the beginning and you just kept you know, full employment, then you, know, you will not need to go past eight weeks. Um, Stacy, you wanna jump on the next one? All right, so there's a question on the forgiveness uh, for a number of employees at the time of forgiveness application. Uh, if we kept all employees during an eight-week period but laid people off after it was finished, how do we show that? Uh, at the time of the forgiveness application, we would show less employees than at the time of the loan application. And, you know, I don't know exactly why they, um, they're they capturing some data as, you know, how many employees you had at the time you made the PPP loan application, how many employees you have at the time of the forgiveness application, how many employees you have as of June 30th. I don't know exactly. I think that, that might just be statistical data because really what I think what matters is your FTE count on the PPP schedule A um, because that's gonna that's uh, that's what your forgiveness is going to be measured on yeah there's no actual impact to forgiveness for that particular question so mm -hmm. um, yeah it must be for information gathering purposes mm -hmm. um, Next one, to use the easy forgiveness application, the third option, second condition, quote, unable to operate during the covered period at the same level of business activity. Uh, does this mean if some employees had a greater than 25% reduction in hours because the state had closed our school, could I still use the easy form? which I guess I would rephrase this question to what does the same level of business activity mean? Um, and Stacy and Jeff, feel free to jump in, but I don't actually think that it means, um, I, 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 I think it seems to drive more toward how open you are in your revenue um, and, you know, reduction in employees, I guess, would be a part of that, but it seems like it would be a byproduct more than it would be um, the actual core definition of 
reduction in business activity, which is, I think, undefined um, unless one of you saw something in an in, in interim final rule. No? Nope. Okay. Um, let's see, next question. My eight weeks ends tomorrow. I'm using the easy form because I kept everyone at same or higher pay. However, I'm not getting a, <laughs> I'm not getting a response from my banker. How do I actually file the PPP form? Um, so different banks are at uh, different stages of getting their applications for forgiveness out. Uh, we understand that some of them are going to be um, online, essentially the same questions that are on the application, but they're going to be in like an online portal. Um, and I tend to think there is some hesitation on the bank's part to put them out because the target is not steady and unmoving yet. So I think that is, I'm going to postulate right. that there's some hesitation on that front. Does anyone else have a, have a comment there? I would agree with that. I mean, I think on some of the bank's websites, they, they specifically, I mean, it's kind of unrelated, but they specifically state they're not accepting applications for PPP loans because of they're trying to still understand the, the Flexibility Act. I, I suggest if you want to submit your application now, you clarify with your banker that you're relying on the eight week period and no forgiveness, uh, I mean, no forgiveness exceptions that, that just like the earlier question, you kept all your employees, you paid them all the same way. You, you're gonna need to make your banker comfortable to take up that application now. I think that there are a number of different things here. And one is that some of these changes in what forgiveness looks like by because of all these new um, the new forms, the new uh, interim final rules, and also the bankers are looking at what SBA is asking for them to act on and deter use to determine how they're going to evaluate what percentage of forgiveness they may grant before they send their paperwork to SBA to clarify. So they're looking at what does it mean that you want me to check the calculations or certify this document? So there are some of those discussions happening. So do collect the best documentation you can, um, whether it is from your PPO, whether it is your own financial printouts. Remember, you're going to need to retain these for about six years, just for record keeping purposes. So um, the banks will be able to ask you um, for further documentation if they believe they need it. Um, best thing is to have really clear um, calculations to present them and have a, it backed up by the right documents showing what you did for your payroll and other expenses, things like that. So that's where they're wavering a little bit and waiting for some clarifications. So Yeah, I mean, I certainly understand the desire to get the PPP amount off the books as fast as possible. Um, but at least the nice thing is there's a very wide and long window for submitting the forgiveness application. Um, you know, 10 months from the end of your covered period. And if your covered period is 24 
uh, weeks, you're, you're talking well into 2021. Um, no one wants to keep a, a, you know, a, a debt obligation on the books for that long, but um, at least the window is, is there. And uh, we suspect, suspect once we're in July and a lot of people are going to be clamoring to submit um, applications that there will be at, uh, at that point pretty solid um, confidence, uh, including from the banks on being able to accept applications and feel feeling confident about what the, the rules that are going to apply. And one, one of the bank's concerns may be that the rules only give them 60 days to decide. Mm -hmm. they, they have a huge volume to process. So that yeah. that's another thing that they're looking at. How do we operate? How do we get these things processed? How do we do the fair job, both for our borrowers and then also to assure that they're going to get the the um, funding, the the payments from SBA from the government. Yeah, I, I mean, the processing of a forgiveness application is significantly more cumbersome than doing the the loan because uh, if if a lot of a lot of businesses are going to contort themselves into the safe harbors and that sort of thing. Which, which effectively is pretty much everyone using 24 weeks other than the solos, they're going to have to contort themselves into one of the safe harbors. And there's, you know, it, it just requires a lot harder of a look than what's two and a half months of payroll. So um, I think there's a lot of work on the bank's part there. Okay. Dead horse beaten. Um, next question. Full-time work schedule. Uh, is 37.5 hours. Do we count them as a one FTE or 0.9? Uh, I'll actually be a lawyer taking a shot at a math question, um, which Stacy can correct me, which is um, 37.5 divided by 40 comes out to 0.9375, and the instructions say round to the nearest tenth. So 0.9375 rounds off to 0.9. Did I get that right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you calculate the FTE the same in the measurement period as your covered period. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, Stacey, you want to take the next one? Hopefully it's a legal question. <laughs> Uh, if I run out of money in week 14, do I still need to continue to pay my salaried employees for the entire 24-week period at 75% of what they made in quarter one in order to get forgiveness? Uh, yes. Unless you qualify for one of the forgiveness exceptions to the FTE account. Yeah, so, so this is going to be like a perfect example of, of the businesses that are going to end up using the 24 weeks. It's you didn't end up spending it all in the eight weeks, which would be a much shorter period to keep FTEs and to keep pay. Um, and in order to spend the money, you need to go into some weeks of the 24 week period. But the, the downside again is that it requires you to keep FTEs and requires you to, to, you know, it looks at the reductions in pay for three times as long. So one of the 
one of the examples in, in the interim final rules is actually if the person um, normally makes a thousand dollars and they get paid a, a week and they get paid 700 so 75% would be uh, 750 so there's a $50 difference if you're talking about eight weeks you're talking about $50 times eight weeks and that's your reduction if you're talking about 24 weeks you're tripling the amount of the reduction for that for that drop in pay so there's a meaningful difference between the two and so if you are in that that category that needs to use the 24 weeks because you didn't spend the money but now you're facing real significant um, reductions based on either FTEs or salary wage reductions or both, you're going to turn to the safe harbors and, and try and fit into one of them, whether it's the, you know, I tried to bring everyone back but couldn't safe harbor, whether it's the, I brought everyone back at the point of my forgiveness application at full pay, um, that safe harbor, um, or whether it's the because of um, the government shutdown that business operations were affected negatively, safe harbor. Um, you know, you're going to have to essentially try and squeeze into into one of those. Or if you're still in the eight weeks, look to the next question. Uh, which is our employer 401 contributions paid to employee accounts during the covered period for a prior year of fully eligible forgiveness. Try and cram as much of the, the loan but, proceeds into the, that eight weeks. Well, that, that, uh, let's expand on that for a second. Because yeah. that is, I, I think, and at June 24th, some people are right at the edge of, you know, in, there's a lot of people probably in that seven week period or in week eight. Yeah. So what Jeff is what Jeff is saying is you need to balance take the two scenarios and run which one works better right because the if you haven't spent all the money yet but you have the ability to to do so like you're in the last week and you could pay bonuses you could prepay rent you could just shove all that money out before the 8 weeks is over um, and then either your FTE and your salary reductions are much smaller or, you know, even better if you could um, fit yourself into the, uh, a safe harbor right at eight weeks, even better. Um, that, that, might be a, that might be a better option than extending into that 24 weeks, facing a really big reduction in FTEs and wage uh, salary reductions, and then having to try and squeeze into uh, one of the uh, safe harbors. I, I think you need to look at both of those scenarios and, and determine which one might work better. And, and the, those of the people, those people that are opting on the 24 week schedule because you feel forced to do so. I, I just noticed that the governor's gonna allow Internet, uh, international and, and is thinking about allowing international and, and uh, mainland visitors with negative tests starting August 1st. That's still uh, another month and a half off. Uh, so so you're, 
you're you're looking at a period of time when business isn't will likely not be totally back to normal and you won't have the loan proceeds to tide you through that period of time okay um uh stacy you want to take the next one yes so um jeff kind of partially answered this question already um, yeah. but are employer contributions paid to employee accounts during the covered period uh, for prior year fully eligible for forgiveness or only only eight weeks of the amount paid um so the way uh the guidance reads is that yes you can pay your your safe harbor contributions from the prior year and count that in as a payroll cost yeah if it's paid within the within the covered period the eight weeks or the 24. question does paid include check dated and mailed date I would think it should uh, it should it should be the check the day of the check it's that, that's a that, that if, if you want to play it safe there's a post post box rule that the lawyers use which is delivery to it presumably two days after you mail it um, the next question is if my PPP loan amount is 30,000 and idle advance is a thousand, my potential forgiveness amount is 33,000. I'm going to stop right there. So, uh, if your PPP loan amount is 30,000, the max amount of forgiveness would be 30,000. Um, the idle advance, the idle advance will, will make your, if your idle advance is un, is not paid back, it'll make your PPP forgiveness 29,000. So um, that would be the- There's some question there. on that because idle advances are different than idle loans. So idle advances, um, particularly those that are made after April 3rd are supposed to be fully forgiven. So it's another messy IFR, you know, um, thing in there and that's the, what, some of the uh, <clears throat> procedural notice is supposed to address. So that's kind of a, a, some new things too. I'll, I will confirm and we'll get that back to everybody. If, uh, June, if you, Jane, if you, if you got the idle loan and you didn't get a PPP loan, that is an effect that can be considered an advance, correct? Um, the, the, if, you got, if you got the idle loan, after April 3rd, you should have gotten an idle advance as well as an idle loan. So the idle advance has nothing to do with the PPP. Yeah, so if you got a thousand per employee up to $10,000 and you didn't get a PPP loan, you can consider that an advance and you don't need to sign any note. Right. Yeah. No note, no repayment. Just get that deposit in your bank account. Yeah. So okay. it's, it's confusing in the way they've written some of the information. Um, okay. Um, does anyone want to take, take one more? Why don't you take, take one more, Stacey, and then um, we'll so, call it there. That's like a really accounting question. If you have a June 30th fiscal year end, how do you treat the potential PPP loan forgiveness if you have not applied for it yet? Do you account for the potential loan forgiveness income and offset um, of expenses, or do you treat it like the cash basis and take income in the following fiscal year 
and reduction of corresponding expenses. So uh, from an accounting perspective, the PPP is a loan and it should be on your balance sheet until you have received um, for your for forgiveness. So if you haven't even applied for your for forgiveness, you can't uh, recognize it as, you can't take it off your books um, and recognize it mm -hmm. yet. Okay. I'm gonna take what, I'm gonna actually skip and take one more question um, uh, before we end. Uh, can you apply for forgiveness at 12 weeks? I'm gonna assume that means that you're taking a 24 week period and applying before the period ends. Um, if so, the, the answer from the IFR is yes. Um, you could apply, you know, if you spent all the money up uh, before the covered period is over, you could apply for forgiveness. There are the questions we discussed earlier on um, whether the, how the safe harbors interact there. Um, and then, but again, uh, you will need to still, uh, if you have FTE or uh, wage reductions, those are going to be um, over the covered period. Um, and then the max amount per employee. Um, if you're using the, the covered for a hundred thousand dollar employee, if you're using the, um, the 24 week covered period for a pure employee, it, the amount is Stacy 46,000 and change or something. Yeah. Um, for an owner or an owner or employee, if you're using the 24 week period, it's 20,833. And then um, if you are uh, using the eight week period, the, the max based on $100,000 salary is 15,385. Okay, uh, anyone uh, last closing comment before we hop off? Take that as a no. Um, thank you, everyone, for uh, for joining us. It's been a a whirlwind, uh, very short and very long, three months, um, and uh, we will perhaps see you all again soon. Thanks. Take care.